Hello and welcome back to We Not Me, the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond. And I am Pia Lee. You are indeed, you are indeed. And uh, Pia, before we get stuck into today's topic, it'd be, I wanted to ask you what sort of, um, yeah, what, what are the conversations you're having with teams at the moment? How are, how are teams out there? It'd be really interesting to hear what you're, what you're seeing. There's a couple of things. So uh, systemically, there's a lot of pressure in the system. People are busy. You know, I, I think one of the things that I focused on with the team was, you know, the, the tyranny of busyness, not the busy, but the big business. Busy, yeah. You know, <laughs> depletes all human connection. And I, what I'm saying is, is that the, the busyness and this post, this post COVID phase and all the insecurity in the world and all the economic pressures were getting very transactional. So teams are not thinking about how they're operating. They're really doubling down on what, and particularly at the team level, we are seeing that group where people are almost becoming um, <laughs> becoming competitive with one another. So and and they haven't invested time. Yeah, because I think they've been so focused on that transactional, they've lost the ability to build those human connections and relationships, and also think strategically. So we tend to be operating from the protection of our KPIs rather than how we come together to achieve that bigger vision. And there's a bit in the, you know, because a lot of leadership development took a pause during that time, we've atrophied some of those, some of those skills. And unless you've got a particular passion for it, the nature of that, of getting the job done and delivering is just creating a bit of tunnel vision. And I don't think that's anyone's fault. I think that's just trying to unpick what's what's happening. And I suppose it is, as you say, system pressure on how do I deal with this? I, I, I've got personal individual pressure and I feel a sense of threat probably a lot of people and I'm going to knuckle down and make sure that I do my job. Whereas actually the job we've got to do in teams is to push up and say, how do we do this? Because that unlocks multiple percentage points of performance. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough job for everyone at the moment. I think it's a very challenging time. But our conversation today was definitely with a leader who sees that slightly differently, who has a t- takes a different approach, sees that leadership role as number one, in order to harness and therefore deliver performance. Yeah, we're talking to our very own uh, head of development at Squadify, Felipe Tavares. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that this is, a, this is a wonderful conversation, really heartwarming to see someone with this technical capability, but who sees their leadership role as uh, something that they need to nurture and deliver. And uh, yeah, he has some really profound thoughts about it. So let's go over and hear from Felipe now. And it is our especially wonderful delight to have Felipe Tabarras all the way from Colombia on our We Not Me today. Welcome, Felipe. Thank you so much, Pia. It's wonderful. So in full disclosure, we do we do work together. We have a very strong and close tie around Squadify. And um, Felipe is our amazing technical powerhouse that takes Dan and I's crazy ideas and translates them into something that really works on our platform. So we're going to have a very interesting conversation because what we really want to delve into today is about the life of development teams and um, and what happens there. So 
You know the drill, though, Felipe. You have to enter into the um, torture chamber with Mr. Hammond first and to answer the questions that he or the card that he's going to pick out for you at random. Honestly, we haven't planned it. It really is. To I'm, make I'm it, cut this To time, make it even worse. I, I've been shuffling the pack and now I'm going to cut it. I'm really hoping for something nice that Felipe likes because we owe you so much, Felipe. So I hope this is a, an easy one. Oh, here we go. Um, the best piece of feedback I ever received. Yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> so actually, actually is, is a kind of obvious one for leaders and individual contributors of a team. It's a learn to say no. So that's a super power, actually, more than, more than feedback that you have, I, I have received before, uh, you know, learning. And I'm, I'm still learning, actually, how to say no to some things. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when, when you say no, you feel like uh, you are not committed or you are not enough uh, contributing to the team. But uh, actually, I have felt that when I say no to certain things, I'm actually contributing more. I'm actually focusing more on the purpose and I'm actually doing more than saying yes. So I think that's that's the feedback, the, the best one so far. It's kind of obvious, but... Uh, it's been the best one. I think it's one we all struggle with, I think. And then being able to say no that somebody isn't affronted. I mean, that's that's like a sales <laughs> job. That's, that, that's amazing. Yeah. That, is, that, that, that it seems like that's a perfect gift when I've said no. If, it, that's right. It, 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 it's, 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 one of the, it's that sort of English way of only afterwards they think, hold on a second, that was lovely, but he actually, he actually said no. <laughs> I think I, I think I think working with two English people has started to wear off on you, Felipe. I think I think <laughs> getting some interesting skills. <laughs> it's a good, it's a great start and a, a lovely lovely place to start, Felipe. But so tell us a little bit more about about you, Felipe. Your your little life story in a box. Yeah. So uh, nice to meet you all, uh, and thanks for listening. I am Felipe from Colombia, South America, not Colombia, by the way. Uh, Colombia. It's Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm technology advisor. Uh, I've been in, in the industry or the software around 16 or 17 years uh, now. So playing several roles in innovation, engineering, working with uh, teams. Uh, I started actually my career as a, as a software developer. So uh, and, uh, my career evolved uh, to be more part of the leadership teams, also the business uh, operations, and uh, you know both in the technical side and in the project management, people management as well. I love uh, to provide or to give advisory because of all the mistakes that I have uh, done uh, in the past in my experience, and I continue continue uh, having. So, I what I most enjoy of my career and, uh, you know, these uh, leadership uh, positions or role that I that I have today is that I learn every single minute that I spend with uh, people. So, uh, you know, teams, uh, vendors, slash providers, uh, clients, uh, any stakeholder, any people uh, that I meet. So tell us a little bit about development teams and why those teams might be different 
all the same as other teams. So, you know, our, our listeners have come from such a broad background of corporations, communities, and, and indeed across multiple countries. But it'd be quite, I, I think development teams are quite a specific type of team, aren't they? And so that would be good for to take us into 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 a better understanding of it. Yeah. So in in the in my experience, uh, development team is not that different uh, to any other team. Uh, and I, I I will give you uh, my reasons. So I would say what's a bit different from a, a development team is the grade of a specialty that we have. So the different roles the. Uh, technical landscape that we can handle in development teams. But I, if you compare this with any other team, so there is technical land, landscape, there's, there's product, process, people, management. So it's it's all the same uh, at the end of the day. It's the only difference is that uh, developers probably uh, have the idea in their minds that they do something uh, really, really different than uh, other teams. But uh, at the end of the day, we are contributing to uh, life in general, so impacting human lives. So we do software, other people do kind of, uh, you know, accounting, finance, uh, but at the end of the day, we're impacting human lives uh, somehow. So it's not that difference, it's, it's only the discipline, but uh, let me give you my reasons why, in my opinion, it's not that different. So any team, including development teams, uh, have a clear purpose, so development teams uh, should have a clear purpose. So in this case, developing uh, a piece of software or a, or a software application uh, to perform any transaction or activity inside a company or, you know, uh, or for any process. We all have measurements in a development team. We measure uh, lines of code, productivity. We measure also engagement uh, so software developers are deal a bit with uh, engagement because probably the high uh, demand that we have in around the globe for developers so the engagement and the, or, or keep these people engaged is a bit more difficult uh, in my opinion so we have a lot of competition but uh, we have also this this as part of uh, the measurements that we have for teams also um, we need us in the other teams or you know that are not uh, development teams we need competent people or, or skilled people so uh, compared with a finance or accounting team so in an accounting team we need uh, a good accountant uh, or, or, or people that are able to do forecasts and so on uh, it's similar in a, in a development team so we need a skill uh, a certain skill set that's required to uh, achieve the goals and also, we, we need a shared fate, as in, you know, any other team. So what means, that means what happens to one happens to all the teams. So, so if you see these points or you listen these points in this case, uh, I think we are not that different to other teams. So we pursue the same. We, we have goals. We have measurements and that we have a shared fate in the team. So... Yeah, only the discipline is could be different and the engagement as well. Yeah, I'm very interested in the disciplines. And, and I have to say, in our Squadify work, <clears throat> we found that teamwork is teamwork. We, we work in so many different ways. Obviously, as you say, they have different outcomes, but, but really the same things are going to make that thing tick. But a couple of differences, that first one, 
the mentioned the, the engagement is there is the, is there a a global scarcity of developers so is that you mentioned it's under pressure what's the situation there yeah so i would say that's a that's a general concern in the industry uh a lot of demand that's that's one so well in we are in a digital world so we need developers uh we need engineers and uh, normally companies compete uh for the best talent so keep the talent engaged to one project uh, for a long time is challenging in, in this kind of world. Then the second one is, uh, you know, the level of uh, seniority and specialization that they uh, get for developers uh, resonates in, I need more, I need another challenge. So I'm not gonna be here like uh, for two or three years. Uh, so in six months or one year, I'm gonna go to an, a different challenge. So uh, yeah, keep that keep the motivation, the engagement, the career path is is super difficult uh, because of all these changing uh, challenges. That's really interesting. And can I can I can I follow that up with this other piece about discipline? Because my perception of development teams is that they do use different ways of working that that you are the discipline behind that is a sort of more much more advanced in terms of agile than most of the business teams that we see that's for sure could could you just pick that one up and talk about potential differences there yeah you know for engineering in general there are a lot of frameworks methodologies and the ways to to do our job uh, i would say that this is a pretty let's say there's a lot of work behind uh, the discipline for engineering teams. For development, uh, at the end of the day, we are developing products, so uh, all of all of those disciplines and methodologies uh, apply. But uh, uh, what I was referring to was more related to the practices that we have. So we have diverse practices. So for example, we have SaaS platforms, we have mobile applications, we have desktop applications, we have uh, you know, AI nowadays uh, is a boom. So I was more uh, referring to those practices because the discipline at the end of the day or the framework uh, is the way you do or you, you execute your work. And I think that's, uh, that's pretty much set today. So I think I cannot imagine and, and, and the, probably I'm wrong today, but I cannot imagine like a different way to do things like more than agile, lean, the traditional way to do things. Uh, so, so yeah, but what's diverse uh, is related to the practices, I think. So the, the different platforms, uh, the different, uh, you know, uh, subcategories now that we are creating. So for example, before we had this uh, big uh, data category, and now we have a lot of uh, stuff like uh, AI, ML, deep learning. Uh, before we had like a software development in general. Now we have digital experience. We have SaaS platforms. We have mobile. So this is this is more my reasoning behind the the, the discipline. So and and uh, I haven't seen uh, and, and and again probably probably I'm wrong, but I haven't seen any other career having a lot of changes at the same time in a year, for example, challenging people to uh, every every time like uh, go and research and learn more and more every single day as, uh, you know, 
the life of a software engineer. And if I understand this correctly, I mean, that, there's, there's, there's a lot of complexity there and, a, and, a, and quite a fast-moving landscape in terms of development. I mean, you know, take us as an example. Six months ago when ChatGBT hit the airwaves, then, you know, everyone got very excited, including ourselves. And that must mean that your clients are going, well, how do we you – know, they're getting excited by the new developments. But the people in your team – are also learning. I mean, it's not like you've been, you know, in a in a cave swatting up on ChatGPT and AI for the last ten years. You know, we're, it's all so fast that we're all all learning at the same time. So, you know, how how do you keep that learning together and not fragmented across the team, so that you really then move forward as a team? That's a great question, actually. And uh, let me start with uh, an anecdote that I have. So. Perhaps nine months ago, I was investing all my time and energy in immersive metaverse and all this cool stuff. <laughs> I created a team for that, uh, or we created a team for that, actually. Uh, we invest uh, money, energy, time, as I said, together. And then we figured out that we were uh, probably in the wrong place because AI was uh, beating uh, all the industry. So I, I just want, want, wanted to start with that one because uh, learning is also, or, or, or we have to have the skill to uh, pivot super quick. If we find any other trend or any other uh, way to do things better uh, and the focus on the right problems to solve uh, super fast. So that's, that's one thing. Now, how we can um, put the learning together and the make, making sure that uh, it is not fragmented was your question, right? So um, I would say one is creating the, the room for learning, for curiosity uh, as a team and not as individual efforts. So this is the same concept as shared faith. In this case, if I'm learning something, uh, my team is learning as well. So uh, if I... Uh, have this shared faith idea, I think all the team is going to understand uh, that learning is a is a joint effort. It's not an individual effort. It's a team effort or, or investment. So that's one kind of a create a mindset. Let's learn together uh, and then let's figure out how. So, you know, starting with the purpose, joining the team, then the how is having the right tools for learning, uh, creating the paths and, uh, you know, sharing the knowledge. Uh, this includes uh, having time to share knowledge in, uh, you know, sessions around the team uh, so that, for example, one team member uh, is learning about, uh, let's say, ChatGPT, uh, giving a space, giving the room to uh, first learn and then teach the team. Uh, that's one. Then, for example, the other team member is learning about uh, any other LLM. So give the room uh, to learn and teach uh, the team. Then compile everything in a share, uh, in a central share would be a good idea so that we can visit it, uh, record, uh, and have enough documentation for the rest of the team or, or, or you know, for anyone that uh, wants to acquire that knowledge uh, together. So I would say uh, super simple uh, two things that we can do, uh, giving the room to learn and teach and uh, having a central share. Uh, I think those were those uh, will be my recommendations. Uh, enabling 
curiosity. Uh, that's, you know, having the right mindset uh, for people to start learning. And uh, don't one, one thing that I would recommend is uh, avoid forcing uh, learning, the learning path or the career paths. And, you know, it's, it's about asking people, hey, what do you want to learn? What do you want to, uh, to do in these few uh, weeks? I think that enables uh, the, the right mindset as well for, for the team to learn and teach. And do you find people in this world, because there's so much change, they are naturally um, leaning towards being good learners already? Yeah, that's natural. And that's natural of uh, the latest generations as well, like uh, what we call the millennials and the Z generation. That's natural. That's something that comes in the DNA. One of the things you said, just think about this discipline and how the ways of working, it, it was, I had a wry smile because you said that, um, I, I'm trying to quote you now, but you said these traditional methods like agile and lean. And, you know, we spend a lot of time with teams, non-development teams, business teams, you know, top teams, mid teams, whatever, doing different things. And they have not yet adopted agile. So, you know, they don't, you see, you know, their execution is really basically like the teams that I was in in the 90s. It's sort of, right, we're going to have a discussion and then someone's going to take that away and do it. But actually, and there might be minutes of a meeting or something, but it's really old school. So that, most teams are doing that. So I was interested to hear that you're saying those traditional methods. So I think it seems to me that development teams are quite distinct in that there are ways of doing things that are accepted. And presumably people come into your team and they already know pretty much how you're going to work. I wonder if you could just sort of explore that for us. What are the ways of working? How do you take on tasks? How do you work together? And then maybe if I can ask two questions at once, what is it about this world that means that that is so disciplined? There's something here that seems a little bit different about other other teams. I, I think, in, in my opinion, there's a gap because all the documentation that we find is for engineers, not for, uh, you know, citizens. Uh, let's say, let's call citizens to, uh, to, in my case, what's not a developer or an engineer. I think this is this is responsibility of, uh, you know, the creators of, uh, for example, Scrum, Agile, Lean. They always use... Uh, engineering as the example so you can actually you can create an agile accounting team you can create any any structure uh and uh you know uh any structure can become an agile organization uh we can start with that but uh the let's say the the literature is not so engaging for other organizations uh different to development teams or to software engineering or to you know buildings and so on uh perhaps we have seen methods like uh you know the kanban method is is not exclusive actually was not created for development teams uh it was for production lines but uh, we adopted and documented pretty well so that we we are using it uh almost i would say more than a product product lines uh, type of organizations uh, because software is a product line uh, at the end of the day as well. So how, how a, a software development team works in an agile environment? So what I can tell you is uh, the main purpose 
uh, of the framework or, or the agile mindset is to uh, avoid wasting time. Uh, that's one. Second, second thing is um, that you fail early in an early stage. So, for example, you don't have to wait and uh, let's say one month, uh, three months, or one years of uh, one year of execution to figure out that uh, this is not what I wanted to do or wanted to, or this is not what we wanted to achieve. So, basically, uh, most of the agile uh, frameworks are based on the small iterations or cycles. Let's say one week, two weeks, so that you learn fast, uh, you fail fast as well and that you keep uh, on track. So there is no so much room to deviate uh, from the goals because you have a small iterations. So that's, that's, that's the whole thing. So we have ceremonies. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, one uh, common uh, agile framework, which is a Scrum. So we have a planning, but the planning is not the whole planning of the whole product or project is only a planning for uh, one or two weeks, depending on the, you know, the velocity that we want to gain. Uh, so that planning focuses on uh, let's achieve the next product increment in the next two weeks, let's say, uh, and then we follow up uh, every day. So the actually the daily standup, uh, which is a 15 minutes call, is the most important ceremony of the whole the whole uh, framework, because because it's uh, telling the group or the team, sorry, how I am going to win the day, uh, and uh, what are my blockers uh, to win this day. So, for example, I'm yesterday did I did this, and today I will win the day by doing this. But if I cannot unblock of uh, you know from this, I won't make it. So the whole team, especially the Scrum Masters, is going to work actually uh, towards unblocking you. And uh, that's the way we don't waste time, like uh, waiting for uh, an answer or, or, or trying to, to figure things out without uh, collaboration, etc. Uh, I would say that's, uh, in a nutshell, agile. And then Lean is actually more uh, aggressive because Lean is, is let's not waste time planning let's just uh, execute and uh, discover at the same time and plan together uh and also we have uh, variations like uh you know uh more towards agile we have kanban we have a scrum band so uh the framework that we choose uh, depends on uh, really what we want to achieve and uh, how we how clear we are with the uh, requirements uh and uh, how many stakeholders we have in the team uh, or for the team. And what, um, so I'm going to, I've got another question backing up on this. From the, if you look at that, um, look at Agile, it often looks like, it sounds like, you know, a set of processes really or ceremonies and, you know, a Kanban with the tasks on it. What are the qualities of a team that make that work? So the the, the human side of that is, uh what I mentioned, the shared fate, that's, uh, you know, what happens to one happens to all. So when you understand that, uh, what that really means, the whole system is going to work perfectly because you're going to feel empathy, not only for your team, but also for your stakeholders uh, and that you are going to show appreciation uh, when you can bring real issues to the team. Uh, you're going to receive and show appreciation uh, as well. And uh, 
all of this enables uh, one word that's uh, key for this, which is transparency. So when, when you have this uh, shared faith, empathy, and you understand the real outcome of that, transparency is going to bring kind of a, automatically. And that when you bring transparency, you also bring feedback. So when you bring feedback, you are going to do retrospectives, introspectives, and that you are going to achieve uh, as a team, actually any framework that that's made for teams. And I want to just take that another step and talk about the actual leadership of the team. So is there a, a chasm that, that leadership has to cross from being a developer to being the leader of a team of developers? Wow, that's a, that's a topic that personally I have discussed or, or I have spoke about a lot of times of what's better, like uh, coming from uh, the development side, you know, the software engineering side, or, or actually being a natural leader and then uh, filling the gaps in technology. I have seen both sides. Uh, so I have a, an example of a, a teammate that's a great leader and that he, he just uh, filled the gaps in technology and that he does great, actually. Uh, one of the you know, smartest uh, people and the best leaders that I know uh, in my life. That's one example. But I, but I, I have also seen these leaders struggling a lot when it comes to uh, deal with issues, especially technical issues. Uh, so when when the team is, is bringing technical issues and that you don't have a technical landscape or scope inside the team as a leader, you're going to be a bit lost. And, and if you don't have a, a functional or an accountable team, that's going to be difficult to deal with. I prefer, in my opinion, being a natural leader it doesn't matter if you were uh, shaped up from the development side, the software development side, or any other discipline. I, I prefer that because I have seen a lot of gaps of, uh, or, or this this thing that's called the halo effect. Like, hey, you're a great developer, now you should lead, lead the team. And uh, I've seen people failing a lot on that. And I, I would prefer like, uh, bringing a natural leader and a filling in the, the technical gaps instead of a filling in the leadership. That's 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 going to take a whole life. It's a classic story, isn't it? You lose your best developer and you also get a bad manager in that situation. So you, you've got two things happening. <laughs> I'm, I'm on that line, actually. I'm with that line, yeah, <laughs> of thinking. And it's difficult when, you know, certainly in the organisation's that we work with when you're technically proficient and that has elevated you through your career. And then you're at a point where you need to drop some of that functional capacity in order to take a more strategic role inside the company. But that's a bit gray. I mean, that's like, we, we get more of a dopamine hit by doing the things that we know well and that we know that we can really contribute so it's hard to let go of those things i think it's very hard actually in the at the beginning could be frustrating uh because when you are a, a great individual contributor let's say that uh, although you're in a team uh you are producing great results but then leading or being in a more tactical slash strategic position could be frustrating because now more people depends on you uh, more processes, more responsibilities, uh, 
in the now it's gonna be like a, the real world uh, in the dealing with different uh, type of contributions, the good and the bad. So yeah, it could be frustrating and could be super hard to uh, let it go. Actually, uh, being a proficient contributor to now deal with a you know different or diverse uh, type of roles. And is there anything you do, Felipe, to sort of keep that, keep your hands on the on the code and the develop, just to keep that fire burning? What do you do? You have a feel a need to your your first love really maybe was uh, was developing and and right developing code do you do you do anything to keep that flame burning yeah yeah so so actually uh there was a point in my career in which i i had to um choose between you know taking a a, a master degree on you know more leadership or software architecture and i actually decided uh to do the software architecture one and uh, do more workshops or kind of uh, different other uh, training uh, on leadership. I still consider or I still want to to have my hands dirty, but I'm pretty bad actually <laughs> on that <laughs> today. So I cannot compare with a with a you know even with a junior developer. So I'm aware of that, and I can what I can do is to contribute with uh, the general you know architecture, the general technical uh, landscape. But uh, they will do their job uh, on on the code deeply in the code quite better than me. But uh, yeah, I, I I feel that you know necessity of. Uh, you know, put my putting my hands there uh, still, or perform a query in a database, uh, create something. That's that's something that you you will never uh, lose, actually. So, Felipe, how tell us how you plan and work to create a high performing team inside your organization. That takes quite a lot of thought and planning, as I say, behind that. In energy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I, I love that. Actually, uh, uh, one of my strengths or, or I would say my uniques is assembling teams. I like uh, team assembly, but also I like like uh, taking a, an existing team and uh, converting it to a, into a high-performing team. So I, I have kind of a personal formula that I apply. That is, uh, first, I identify if I have a non-functional team or a functional team. So how I identify if I have a non-functional team is if they don't know what they're uh, supposed to be doing or they don't know how to do uh, the job or actually they don't consider uh, what they're doing is uh, important enough for the company, I start with that. Because if if you don't have the why, if you don't have the purpose, there is no way you're going to create a functional and then an accountable team and, and then taking this team to ultimate uh, success. So I identified that and uh, any refinement that I need to do with the purpose, uh, you know, I'm making sure that they know not only the purpose, but also how they can contribute to it. Uh, so I do that. So I, I, I try to refine that as, as much as possible uh, at the very beginning. If I'm assembling a new team, I start with that. I start with the why, uh, generally, and then uh, the what. So then, with all of that clear, uh, I go to the next uh, stage, which is creating a functional team. Uh, so a functional team is is a team that clearly understood the purpose 
not only understood but uh, accepted it uh, because that's different and also they know how to contribute to it. Uh, then I create the KPIs or the measurements so uh, you can't improve what you don't measure so that's uh, obvious. So I try to create the two or three most important measurements uh, for the team. I don't I don't like uh, the approach of creating like a 10, 12, 15 or 20 KPIs for a team. So kind of uh, the two or three most uh, important ones to start with to ensure that I'm getting the right information about the team. Then with that clear, now I create or I make sure that we have competent people. Uh, competent people uh, is about having the right people, you know, the, the, the right culture, the right personality and behaviors into the right seat. So that's a that's an approach that we call uh, generally right person in the right seat. So you can have actually right person in the wrong seat. And so we will need to figure out what's the best, not only for the team, but also for the individual in this case. Uh, you know, not being part of the team or, or, or being part of another team because probably uh, you're in the wrong uh, position. And then creating this high degree of uh, shared fate. Uh, if I have all of those components, I can declare that I have a functional team, then I'm ready for the next step. This, this can take, you know, weeks or months of work with the team. Then the next step is encourage the team to deal with real issues together. So if I have a, an issue, if something, someone, sorry, is not showing up on the daily standups, if someone is not giving what I need, I mean, if I'm a team member and my other teammate is not helping the team, and as a team member, I know that, uh, I encourage the team to avoid like uh, complaining with me as a leader, as the leader of the team, just bring it to the whole team. And that's a, that was a switch, actually. That was um, something that uh, was hard to me to understand because normally what you do is to go to your leader, complain, or maximum do a one-on-one with the teammate, but bringing the real issues as a team is gonna create or, or enforce this shared fate. So in the speak uh, on behalf of yourself, like, uh, hey, then I'm noticing that you are not showing up in the dailies and the team is suffering that. So is there anything that's happening to you? Uh, is there anything that I can do for you or we as a team can do for you? So uh, I, I actually learned that recently and it's super powerful. So normally we do a one-on-one -on -one as, a, as, a, as a first option, uh, but uh, now we are encouraging uh, the teams, uh, especially the more mature teams, to bring the real issues and to deal with them uh, together. So that will decrease the fear of uh, separation because if you go to your leader or you start paying with, so with someone else, you're going to feel the fear of separation of the team. Like and now you're creating Icelands in, instead of a, a whole unit. So that's having an accountable team. Then when I have that accountable team, my next or my last step is going to the ultimate success, what we call the ultimate success for the team. That can take a lot of time, but now it's individual commitment to each other's uh, success. So this is the with not me, actually. So now what happens to me happens to everyone. 
And if I can, from my individual contribution, uh, help the others to succeed, now I can say that I'm, I'm in an accountable team uh, plus, let's say, I'm in the ultimate uh, success stage of the team. When you have all of that, uh, you have an accountable team, you have a high-performing team. And then notice that I didn't talk anything about technology, anything about technical gaps. If you have all of these, and in my case, uh, if I have all of these, technical gaps are super easy to manage, actually. It's a really, it's a beautifully thought out approach, Philippe. And I know you're, you've studied this stuff. You're a student of leadership. And as you said, that was one of your, it's one of your loves to do. And it, it really comes through in that. And so just bringing out the conversation to a close here, just there's so much there, but is there something that you would leave the listener with? Something, what's a, a little takeaway for them that you, you could leave them with? I have had coaches and mentors and uh, my general takeaway is that for all what I said to be real and to be possible, you need to be vulnerable. You need to show your weakness uh, to allow people to help you. You need to be vulnerable to uh, receive feedback in a good way. So vulnerability has been my main takeaway. Uh, you know, the last two or three years, I would say. And uh, for example, if I don't know all the details of a software development process, if I'm vulnerable with that, I can get help. But if I, if my ego is over here all the time, I'm not vulnerable, I, I don't receive feedback, there's no way that I can improve. There's no way that I can create this shared faith, these accountable teams. Uh, I need help all the time. So being vulnerable. And, and and also, we all are humans, so we have our personal things. So I just had uh, some losses in my family. If I'm vulnerable with that, if I let the people know that I'm human as well, so I'm going to get help, I'm going to get support. And uh, there is not nothing like a getting uh, support and, uh, you know, see how people surround you uh, when you are in a, in vulnerable uh, situations as well. So this, I think, uh, gets the best of people, like uh, when you're vulnerable and uh, when you need help. I think that's really powerful and very authentic. And I think we're, we're understanding this better. But vulnerability is a superpower, you know, the ability to to be able to say, um, I don't know, what do you think? Um, I'm not in the best position to answer this. Um, and actually things aren't that great at the moment <laughs> because that's a human, that's a human experience. And I think that's really powerful. And I think then that builds the respect and also is the role modeling for the rest of the team. And then that just drives the performance really, because then as you say, Everybody is leaning in to support each other as that, that accountable team. It's a very powerful place to end, Philippe, and thank you. And I, want, and I think that our listener will, will see, will have really enjoyed, actually, what we enjoy of our partnership with you, which is that vulnerability, but also your grace and your diligence has really shone through, which just makes you a great partner and a great guest on We Not Me today. So thank you so much for everything, Philippe. Thanks so much for the invitation. Uh, a pleasure to be here. I loved, at, towards the end of this conversation with Felipe, when he talked about some of the elements 
to create a high-performing team. I I love he had moved away from one-to-ones and he really got he took said I want I want the individuals to bring the real issues to the team. It's a very collective way of doing things. But he said you need to be able to speak on behalf of yourself and not through me, which should be music to a lot of people who are listening to this, you know, just a different way around that you're not having countless and countless one-to-ones where you're the, the hub and spoke. I've definitely done it myself. So, um, but it's a slightly infantilizing way to lead, isn't it? To, to use that way, you know, it's sort of bring it to mom, mom and pop and we'll all sort it out instead of keeping it down in that team. I thought that's, yeah. It's, and he really made that just so clear. And then of course your one-to-ones that you have are based on development and so but you're not just spending time saying what can i take on from you to take it back out to the team and that's such a powerful way to build a team it was a nice way that you know he's taking you know how he breaks down problems from a development perspective and and actually applies a sort of similar rationale and he talked about automating success so when you've got those problems shared and solved within the team then how do we take the learning of that so that we we don't keep getting tripped up by the same things. I mean, this should, again, music to people's ears, I think, that he said that once you get that team working, things like the development, the task just gets done. It's, it makes it easy to solve these things, even that fast-moving environment, that, that, just, that just happens. And I think that final step, so hard to achieve, I think, this, but brilliant to have that as a goal, is, the, is when individual, there's an individual commitment to others' success. And he said that was a we-not-me thing. And you know, getting, it's the opposite of what you're saying at the top of the show, Pierre, which is that we have to compete with each other. And it, it's very hard when people are in these times when everything's so constrained and under pressure but that's a lovely goal isn't it something to i think verbalize with teams i think i'll be using that with the teams i work with to view that as a as a sort of a point that we're trying to trying to get to i think it's it's quite so 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 much the opposite from the old days of kpis where I can succeed and you fail, and that a doesn't matter, but probably is quite good for my career. Um, so that that was that was refreshing. And that vo- point, that last point about vulnerability, brilliant. How that is the opposite again from the old days. But as you said in the in the interview, just opens everything up. If if people can, you know, we talk about psychological safety as well. Coming from the leader, how do you make things safe? And vulnerability is another way to just say part of that, which is I'm learning. I don't know. I may have made a mistake, you know, or um, or I'm having as you know, Felipe mentioned briefly that he's had deaths in the family recently. He had a really rough time, and he was open about that. And the team closed around him and gave him time with his family. And whereas if he'd kept that to himself or toughed it out, it would just be bad for everyone. It was really refreshing, really refreshing talking to him. Um, in such an authentic way and he'd come up with a lot of this stuff he'd just researched and thought about it and practiced it and his passion for people and leadership you know he said I, I don't know all the latest I've got great people that do and I think that was really inspirational no ego yeah absolutely and I and it's a as you say it's a real rarity though isn't it that a leader sees their primary job as leading you know that that he really sees it as a profession i know from working with him um that he sees that as his sort of 
a core capability that he studies, that he refines, he think, as you can see, thinks about. But so often, leaders, even in a senior position, see their functional role or the, you know their expertise as the number one thing. And um, and so it's really refreshing to see this. And you get the results. I think when you see that first, then you do that first, and you you actually unlock the team in these really impressive and advanced ways that, as he has. But yeah, lovely, lovely, refreshing thought for us as we are all under a lot of pressure. But that is it for this episode you can find show notes at squadify.net under resources if you've enjoyed the show please do share the love and recommend it to your friends if you'd like to contribute to the show just email us at we not me pod at gmail.com we not me is produced by mark stedman of origin thank you so much for listening it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me